Hello, and welcome to episode number 270 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I am Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me today are Amanda and Carrie and Elise and Redheaded Girl. All of the bitches have assembled, and we are here to talk about ghosts. We're going to talk about ghost tours, starting with the 1.5 ghost tours that Redheaded Girl went on in York on a recent vacation. She just got back and she's a little jet lagged during this conversation, which also makes it fun. We talk about what makes a good ghost tour guide and which stories were the best and the creepiest. Amanda shares her own recommendations for ghostly, creepy television shows. Don't worry, we have links to everything we talk about. We also talk about a ghost tour that Amanda went on in school in fourth grade as part of her Florida State History curriculum. Elise explains why creepy stuff has to work really hard to impress her, and Carrie talks about all the ghostly stories of Northern California that she knows and the lessons that we can learn from them. And as a bonus, Elise takes us on a tour of the creepy things on her Kindle. Now, because we're talking about ghosts and murders and things like that, I want to sort of issue a general trigger warning. We talk about murder and violence intermittently when talking about who haunts what and where and why they might be doing that haunting. So there aren't any specific grisly details except for one small section, but we talk about death and haunting on and off throughout this episode. Plus, there's a special background appearance of Wilbur, who's the one cat who really hasn't shown up much on the podcast. He wanted to lend some atmosphere to the show, so you'll hear him meeping in the background. What he actually wanted was for his brother to get his meds so that he would also get treats, but I would also like to think it was lending atmosphere. Orville is here on the desk with me helping me record, so he's going to start hitting the microphone with his tail momentarily. Now, if you have cats or a creepy book, better yet, or a ghost story even better to tell us about, please, please do that. You can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. You can record a voice memo and email it to us because you'll sound awesome, trust me. Or you can leave a voicemail at 1201-371-3272. I would love to hear your creepy book recommendations and if you have ghost stories to share. Now we have a sponsor for the podcast and a sponsor for the transcript. And I have received a number of thank yous for the transcript from different people. So if you are one of the people who reads the podcast rather than listens to it, that's awesome. And you can thank Garlic Knitter for her hard work. Each time we get a transcript sponsor, it makes the show a little bit more exciting. I am really, really pleased to have both the podcast and transcript sponsor. So let's get started. Shall we do the thing? Let's do the thing. Today's podcast is sponsored by the newly released audio version of Hopeful by Louise Bay. If you like Christina Lauren, Emma Chase, and Kristen Proby, you will love this contemporary second chance romance. Ava Elliott has been in love with Joel Wentworth since their secret, passionate love affair at university, which ended when he left for New York after graduation. Despite Joel's wanting her to go with him, Ava stayed in London to pursue her career. She never really got over her first love, and she's been single ever since. But eight years later, Joel is back in London. Is he ready to forgive Ava, or has he moved on from a love he promised would last forever? Described as a true love story and as having a combination of humor and heartbreak, Hopeful by Louise Bay is on sale now at all major retailers, and the audio edition is on Audible, Amazon, and iTunes. You can find out more at louisebay.com. Every transcript is handcrafted by Garlic Knitter. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. Today's podcast transcript is sponsored by Twice as Wicked by Elizabeth Bright. All's fair in love and revenge, or is it? Alice Bursnell 
is determined to wreak revenge on Nathaniel Eastwood, Viscount Abingdon, for the seduction, ruin, and death of her beloved twin sister. But how to expose a seducer without falling prey herself? As she gets closer to Nathaniel, she finds she is in serious danger of following in her sister's much too tempted footsteps. The man is nothing like the heartless rake that she expected, and his kisses are truly divine. Could she be wrong about him? When a mysterious and beautiful woman confronts Nathaniel at a fancy ball, he suspects that she has murder on his mind, his own murder. But the more he tries to determine who the deceptively innocent beauty is and what she's up to, the deeper he falls under her alluring spell. Nathaniel fears that he is in imminent danger of losing his life, or worse, his heart. Elizabeth Bright's debut is a witty and heartwarming romance that readers won't soon forget. For more information, please visit entangledpublishing.com. And thank you to Elizabeth Bright for sponsoring the transcript for this episode. Now, I have compliments. Yay, compliments to Becky M. Historians have discovered that the original coat of arms representing you and your ancestors was so incredible, the minute souvenirs were made of it, they sold out. You are that cool. Now, if you would like a compliment or you would like to support the podcast, there are a number of ways to do that. One is to head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash smartbitches. You make a pledge, even as little as a dollar a month. It makes a sizable and deeply appreciated difference in the show. And I thank you personally very much. There are different rewards at different levels. So have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. And if that is not an option, no worries. Just listening and subscribing is an enormous benefit to the show. Thank you for hanging out with me each week. And if you'd like to leave a review or tell a friend, that helps other people discover this nice show that I create. And seriously, I've always wanted to have my own radio show, and now I kind of do, and it's pretty awesome. So thank you for being here. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I will have information at the end of this episode, along with, if you haven't been listening to the end, bad jokes at the very end of this episode. And I have a terrible one this week. I'm very excited. All of the books that we talk about, along with television shows and movies, will be in the podcast entry at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. And we have a page on iTunes as well, itunes.com slash dbsa. We talk about a lot of creepy things, so I hope you enjoy it. We'll also have links to all of the places and different stories and creepy Twitter storifies and BuzzFeed channels. And seriously, there's so much creepy going on. I'm just going to link to all of it. You know, it's the internet. There's no shortage of creepy. So are you ready for our special Halloween podcast? It's time. Let's do this. Would you be interested in telling us all the things about your ghost tour? Because seriously, I have been like holding back from asking questions. I want to hear all about it. Okay, well, which which one? Because I went on one and two halves. Wait, two half tours? One of them was so bad, I ditched it in the middle and hopped on to another one. Whoa, was the second one better? Oh, much better. Okay, so why did you ditch the first one? Are you recording now? I am recording now. Okay. Bring it on. I wish to hear all of the terrible things. Okay, so this was in York. And first, York is amazing and you should all go. How do you fuck up a tour of York? It's like inherently old and creepy. Well, you start off by pointing to York Minster and saying, this was built as a Protestant church in the 1100s. 
wait, that's right. what, what? That's what he said. <laughs> so this guy knew nothing. Nothing. No, he started, he started, he started off by saying, well, it's going to be some history and some ghosts and we're going to have some fun. And I was like, cool. I like all of these things. <laughs> Those are all good words in that order. Right. And then he started off with that. And I was like, oh shit, I have wasted six pounds. <laughs> and and a lot of time in walking. And a lot of time in walking. I mean, that was at the very beginning. And when you start off by like defining Protestantism, Protestantism I'm severely jet-lagged, you guys. I'm just saying. By the time I ditched him 45 minutes later, we had gone maybe halfway around the Minster. He had told three stories. Yeah, three. He told them badly. Like, he was trying so hard to play to the crowd, like, he couldn't find the point with both hands and a smart pencil sharpener. <laughs> So was he trying too hard or was he just a he really bad storyteller? Way too hard. Way too and he hard. was a bad storyteller. See, it seems and like that's kind of like a job requirement, right? Right. After the third story and he was like describing the alleged ghost of a girl who died in the plague and he couldn't remember if it was 1348 or 1349, which... I suppose I shouldn't be like too up in myself by saying you don't you mean you don't know that the Black Death didn't come to York until thirteen forty nine. But at that point I was. Um and she was like and she looked like this little girl who was in the tour too. She was who had a blue hood and I'm like, No, she didn't. And <laughs> <laughs> So he lost you basically. You were just right out. Like ages ago. And I just sort of kept, like, sunk cost fallacy, and, like, I may as well see this to the end. And then another tour kind of came up behind us, and the guy was telling the story, and my tour went around the corner, and I went to the other one and literally said to the tour guide, that tour is shit. Can I join yours? (laughs) (laughs) So you were just like, yeah, this sucks. I'm out of here. like can I join yours and he's like um sure and did did bad tour guide hear you or was he like too busy badly storytelling to notice I, he was around the corner if he heard me I don't care like you can you can get away with a lot of rudeness with an American accent people are just like okay that's just the way you are I've never tried getting away with rudeness with an American accent I'm usually <laughs> overly polite because American accent right and that was generally what I did, but at that point, 19,000 steps into my day, I didn't care. (laughs) I was just so pissed off. And the second tour was much better. So, if you are in York, and you want to do a ghost tour, do not hop on the one that meets by the Minster. What you want is Ghost Hunt, it meets in the shambles, they are both six pounds, Ghost Hunt, is so much better. Okay, a ghost hunt that meets in the shambles is like the best assembly of words. Like, that speaks clearly for itself. What's a shambles, and what made it good? Um, The shambles is a very narrow street in York that's like 
it, it's a medieval street. It's the street that's been there for like a thousand years. Right. And it's it, shambly. Shambly. Um, I don't remember the word that it kind of derived from, but the specific street has these lovely medieval and Tudor buildings, and they all used to be butcher shops. So you'd walk down the street and you would, you know, buy your hunks of meat. Okay, I just Googled a picture. It looks like a movie set. Wasn't it? Like, Like, this looks like Diagon Alley. Yes. It's not the street that allegedly inspired Diagon Alley. That's Victoria Street in Edinburgh, where I also was. Um... Because J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter in Edinburgh. Right. And we'll get to that. Um, but, yeah. And there is a shop towards the north and south. One of the ends of the shambles. And um, end, right. That's called the shop that shall not be named or the shop that will not be named. And it's a Harry Potter store. And it's adorable. Ooh. I know. <laughs> so, Yes. Go to York. There's a castle. There's a good ghost tour. There's a bad one. There are a bunch of others that I have no experience of. But those two, Ghost Hunt, The Shambles, 730. They're great. So what made Ghost Hunt a good ghost tour? Like, do you go on these things and get actually creeped out? Because I wouldn't sleep if I went on a ghost tour, especially when it started in a place called The Shambles. Uh, Weirdly... No, I don't get creeped out by ghost tours. I get creeped out by ghost books. I have a whole bunch. Y'all know I have a whole bunch. And I get creeped out by them, but I don't get creeped out by the tours. Um, the ghost hunt, the storyteller in the ghost hunt was just much better. He was not like up his own ass. He was just there to you know, tell the stories. Um, and he was charming. Which was helpful. And for six pounds, you want some charm. Exactly. He didn't make me pay. I offered to pay. And he's like, you only got two stories out of me. It's fine. <laughs> so what were the stories that he told? Um, see, there's another tour I went on in York. Well, you know, if you need to juxtapose any tour and just say, here's what a good ghost story on a ghost tour is, okay. that's also fine. So go ahead. Well, there's also a building in York called the Treasurer's House that used to be the house of the treasurer of the of York Minster. And it sits right on top of an old Roman road. This York was a Roman settlement. And in the 1950s, a, a guy was working in the cellar of this house and he heard a trumpet and then watched a Roman legion march through out of the wall and through the cellar and he was able to describe these things in incredible detail whoa yeah and they they figured they didn't know at the time exactly where the road was and they figured out well he knows now yeah in the (laughs) case they figured out exactly what the layout was and yes there is a road that goes straight through the cellar whoa the I mean, it was to the point that the scholarship at the time that he saw it was like, that is not what people in Rome, in York were wearing. That's not what legionnaires were wearing. And then more research happened and his vision, his version of what he saw was confirmed. And other people have seen these. And I got to go 
on a tour of the cellar and see it. I didn't see the ghosts. They're apparently only tend to show up in February when the house is closed, but they do take you on a tour of the cellar. So you can see exactly where it was. And that was super awesome. And not only that, I knew that story. I had read that story. So that was super cool. Whoa. And that's like all of your catnip. That's like all of it, yeah. Right. I mean, like, the only thing they needed was also to do, to do some baking. Mm-hmm. Possibly also some sewing. Yeah. Because they could have been walking, baking, sewing, and marching. That would have been ideal. That would have been weird for Legionnaires, but sure. Hey, you never know. This could be historically proven later. It could be. That, which would be cool. It would be cool. So, yes, York is amazing, and you should go. And it doesn't, like, the whole city just doesn't look real. Which did you like best? Did you like London, York, Edinburgh? Did you have a preference? No, I liked liked every single minute of the whole trip. That's excellent, considering how much time you put into planning it. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to me. Fuck yeah. It was great. And you got to hang out with somebody who you usually just talk to on the internet, which is always very cool. And a little scary, but always cool. Two of them. Alina came too. No way, I didn't know that. Yeah, Alina came in the last five days in Edinburgh. It was me, Kaylee, and Alina. And Alina's husband. Who we couldn't always tell if he was enjoying himself, and then we'd, like, leave whatever we were doing. And he'd go, yeah, it was pretty cool. (laughs) So that story checks out. So of the ghost tours that you went on, the one with the Romans in the basement was probably the best or the most memorable? Yes. The one we went on in Edinburgh was also was really well done because among other things, they really thought about the route that they pulled. Because Edinburgh is on an extinct volcano. You know, as you do. A lot of very steep hills. So they really thought about how they were going to plan this route. So there wasn't a lot of steep uphill. Right. And the downhill wasn't, dire right and you still ended at a point where yeah you had to go uphill a little bit but to get to the royal mile but it wasn't like a climb um so that was really well done of them and there were a bunch of stories that i'd never heard before um there you know the, the various and sundry this woman was burned as a witch in the plaza in front of saint giles cathedral and you'd see her sometimes and uh, occasionally there was this one close where a lawyer got murdered and then his murderer who was like, I'm not, so- I ain't even sorry. I'm not going to pretend I didn't do it. Cause I did it. I told y'all I was going to do it. And then I did it. And he kind of got dismembered a little bit. So sometimes like there's a ghost of his hand tugging on people's pant legs on advocates close for some reason. No one really understands why or the most haunted graveyard in Britain, which is Greyfriars Kirkyard. J.K. Rowling got some of the names from Harry Potter from that graveyard. Whoa. Yeah. So that was both creepy history and cool history at the same time. So you mentioned that you have ghost books that scare the shit out of you, but you still have them. Do you have any that you would recommend? I mean, what I do is I, I travel and then I buy a local ghost stories book from where I've been. Although 
I kind of, I overpacked and I didn't get one from Edinburgh because I was afraid that I was overweight on my luggage and I was. Oh no. <laughs> so I literally did not have room for one more thing. For one more book. For one more book. Well, you got Mrs. Beaton's. I got, yeah. Do you know how much that weighs? Three and a half pounds. I am sure that it is not a lightweight. It's not. It's that book is not messing around. No. No. It's in a place of honor now, though, so it's all good. I'm really glad you had such a good time on your trip. Yeah, yeah I really did. Yeah. Who wants to go next to talk about ghost stories and book recommendations? Amanda, I know you have a list. Do you want to go? Yeah, I guess it's a list. It's not many books because I don't read a lot of ghost stories. Um, that doesn't do it for me, but I watch a lot of, like, ghost TV. <laughs> wait, wait, like, wait. Ghost TV, like, there's going to be an overly dramatic reenactment with lots of staring? No. There's no reenactments in my ghost television. It's right, this like is this. serious ghost television, Sarah. <laughs> All right, it's what is like serious ghost TV? Because every time I've watched something with ghosts, it's like, and then she opened the door, and they show footage of a woman opening opening a door, like before the commercial break, after the commercial yeah. break, in the middle of the next segment. <laughs> I don't like reenactments in any of my TV shows. No, me neither. So, what ghost TV <laughs> do you watch? Um, so, my boyfriend went out of town for a bachelor party about I don't know two or three weeks ago, and so that weekend I'm just going to live in my own filth and not move. <laughs> And not shower. As and, you do. <laughs> and that um, Friday, they were showing um, the entire season one of this show called Kindred Spirits that's on TLC. Oh, before my the gosh. Second, before the second season starts. And I had never heard of this show before. And I just remember laying in bed for four straight hours watching <laughs> this show before I got up. <laughs> and... It made me cry a lot, <laughs> not out of fear, um, but it's about these two paranormal, paranormal investigators, Amy and Adam, who investigate these haunted houses um, after they get emails or phone calls from people living in the houses saying that they're scared or they're frightened or their kids are frightened. So they kind of go in to figure out what is haunting these houses to give the families a better understanding of the spirits. And so they aren't so scared and to figure out, like, why the people are there. Um, so it's kind of really sweet. Oftentimes it's a previous homeowner or, like, someone's grandmother, like, watching over them. And I'm dealing with the own death of my grandmother. Um, so I would love for her to, like, haunt my house, to be honest. <laughs> um, so I've been watching a lot of that. And BuzzFeed does a really great paranormal series that you can find on YouTube called BuzzFeed Unsolved. And it's these two men. One really believes in ghosts and paranormal activity and the other's a huge skeptic. Um, so they'll go to these haunted places and kind of check it out and usually stay the night. And it's really just kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> but I have been on ghost tours which I think they're super fun and I would do them every day if I could. Uh, I, when I first moved to Boston, there was a Boston by foot tour around Halloween that I went with uh, two women from grad school who are my dearest friends now. 
And it wasn't so much like hauntings and stuff like that, but more of people were murdered here. The <laughs> um, so more like grisly stuff. Like we went to where one of the victims of the Boston Strangler lived. Um, the ah. Boston Common. Yeah. The Boston Common is full of places where, you know, witches were hanged. So we went to a few of those places. One yeah, of my sad, f- sadly, the, the old hanging tree got knocked down in a hurricane and like yeah. under its surface. One of my favorite creepy stories that I heard on that tour was um, we have this building called, called the Boston Athenaeum, which is has a collection of super rare and fancy books, and there's a membership involved, and I think they only let people into an open house a few times a year. But they have one of maybe like two or three books in existence that was made out of, that's bound with the author's skin. Um, (laughs) That has very negative connotations on many levels. (laughs) (laughs) So the author was a highwayman and he was captured. And while in prison, he kind of wrote his life story, but he was so poor that he didn't have the money to bind the book. So um, when he passed, he left instructions for the warden to use his skin in the binding of his book, and he left the book to the warden. And I love that the warden was just like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, why not? Okay. <laughs> uh, no, no, no problem, dude. That's not, that's not fucking weird at all. We'll and, totally honor your last wishes. And that's totally <laughs> something that would happen in a book you read, Elise. It is. And oh, I yeah. just want to, first of all, I want to say that it is like a cold, stormy October Wisconsin night here. And my husband went outside and bought me Coke Zero in the rain so that I could stay awake for this. Aww. And I'm still really tired. And I have a serious case of the giggles coming on. <laughs> yes! So be warned. But yeah, yes. the book bound into your own skin is like a thing I would read. Yeah. I, I also saw a book bound with human skin it was uh burke who was one of the guys who would first they he and his buddy i i don't remember what his buddy's name was i could look it up but i don't want to um he and his buddy first started robbing graves and selling them to the medical school this is in like the the 1800s right when People were, you know, figuring out that anatomy was a thing and they needed to figure out how anatomy worked, but it was hard to get willing models, shall we say. And then they figured out, wait a second, we get more money if the bodies are really fresh. So, like, what if we killed people? Again, this sounds like a book that Elise would read. Right. (laughs) Only it really happened. I, you know what? I admire their entrepreneurial spirit. <laughs> they, well, you can't fault them on that. It was William Burke and William Hare. There we go. Burke and Hare. There is now a strip club in Edinburgh called Burke and Hare. Wait. You wait, Burke <laughs> Right? Yes. Okay. So, they eventually, the doctor that they were selling bodies to got suspicious and was like, I think you might actually be killing these people. And they were like, no, why would you think that? 
<laughs> anyway, they got arrested. Hare immediately ratted out Burke, fled the country. No one ever saw him again. Burke got himself hanged. He was dissected. Because why not? Karma. Also uh, had a small book bound with his skin, which is now in the Surgeon's Hall Museum, and I saw it. Creepy. There's a lot of other really disturbing things that museum is not for Sarah's. No, I, I'm, yeah, no. It's yeah. not. No. I also remember my first ghost tour. I was in fourth grade. Fourth grade? Hold the I was phone. in fourth grade. Um, so in Florida, I don't know if it still goes now, but in Florida... It's in- required by law. <laughs> It is. Um, no, in fourth grade, is it you all have to do like a, a curriculum block about the history of Florida. I still remember like what Florida's state bird, state flower, state tree, state animal. Like that's something that I have retained for two decades. Um, and it culminates in a trip to St. Augustine, which is. Um, Rich in history, it has, like, a cool old Spanish fort. It's, like, the oldest city in the U.S. Um, And we did a ghost tour. And I remember it was, like, dusk. And I don't even remember the story anymore. But it had to do with this old woman who haunts this inn. And I just remember, like, seeing a creepy figure in this top window and, like, a curtain moving. And I freaked out and, like, bolted down the street with my friends. Um... They're just addicting. I love them so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't read a lot of books. I watch a lot of ghost things. I I wrote down one in one of my notes, High Spirits with Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> it's an what? older it's an old movie. I think it's in the early nineties or late eighties. I'm gonna Google it right now. Wait, is this like but, a high <laughs> high as in Hello Spirits, or high as in they all smoked a joint together? I think it takes place in Ireland or Scotland, so I think it might, it's like the Highlands, but it's H-I-G-H. But it's got Peter O'Toole and Daryl Hannah and Liam Neeson are ghosts. Um, (laughs) How have I missed this? It's made in 88, and it's got Steve Gutenberg. As the main character. All right, movie Uh, matinee for next fall. (laughs) Fuck that, next month. And I just, it was on like HBO or Stars for a month straight, and I just remember watching it so much. Um, And I've never seen it on TV since, since I watched it when I was a child. Um, So, yeah, High Spirits. It was made in 1988. It's a comedy horror, according to okay. Wikipedia. It has um, a 17% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And Daryl oh, this Hannah, movie sounds amazing. And Daryl Hannah was nominated for a Razzie, but lost to Christy McNichol. This is like, this is like heritage level history right here. I'll give it a watch. Um, but if anyone wants a really cool modern ghost story, this is the last thing I have in my notes. No books. Sorry. Um, there is an illustrator who used to do web comics. He now works for BuzzFeed. You can find him on Twitter at Moby underscore dickhead. <laughs> um, his name is Adam Ellis, and he's kind of been 
documenting on Twitter this saga of he thinks his apartment is haunted by the spirit of a child. It is so creepy. Nope. He he has set up like motion sensor webcams. Nope. And in some of the videos you can see like nope. cups moving and things falling off the wall. And he has two adorable cats, Pepper and then Maxwell, who has three legs. And his cats freak out and like meow at the door at midnight every night. Um, but I'll have Sarah link to the tweet thread in the show notes because I am glued to this saga. My boyfriend thinks it's a load of bullshit, but I'm like, shut up. I need this. Like, <laughs> don't ruin this. For me. Um, and I have like Twitter notifications turned on. So every time he tweets, I get an alert so I can read it immediately. But it's just so creepy and amazing. I really like the the real life stuff, which is maybe why I don't do a lot of reading or fictionalized ghost stories. I'm really invested in, you know, proof and seeing things and getting things on monitors or whatever kind of tools these people have. Um, so, yeah, that's it for me. This is seriously creepy. <laughs> Are you looking at the Dear David saga on Twitter right now? Yes. Does it have an end? No, it's ongoing. He went to Japan for a few weeks and then came back and, like, stuff was still happening. So his, like, last update was October 14th. Holy shit. Yeah, and it's been going on for, I don't know, maybe, like, a month now. Did you guys see, this was, I have no concept of time, so I can't even tell you how long ago this was. I remember seeing this on Reddit, and then I saw it picked up by a whole bunch of blogs, that there was this guy who was getting strangely weird random babbling messages on Facebook Messenger from his dead fiance. What? No. Oh yeah, I remember that. Alice <laughs> 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 oh, is like, oh yeah, that happened last week. <laughs> so I I consume a lot of creepy shit though. Like I feel like I'm the least impressed by creepy shit. Yeah, like, I know. I feel like it would take some serious, serious planning to scare the shit out of you i don't know i i think because i don't believe in it it doesn't scare me right that makes sense but but like last like last night we watched like i don't know four straight hours of american horror story and then i went directly to bed oh my god so do you have any ghost stories that have stuck with you I don't think so. I don't read a lot of ghost stories. I do like fiction with a supernatural element to it. Um, before I started reading romance novels, I read gothic novels like Victoria Holt and Phyllis Whitney. And those always had like a little bit of a supernatural element to them. There was usually like a curse or a ghost. Or I love how in gothic novels, the manors or castles or chateaus always have names like corpse blood manor and nobody <laughs> stops to be like you know maybe i don't want to live there <laughs> intestines row right right right, right. Uh, don't go to crimson peak okay great where's that i feel like so much of the horror genre would be erased if people just did their due diligence while shopping for property like we're watching season six of american horror story and so when you when there's like a beautiful three-story farmhouse in the middle of the Carolina wilderness and like nobody wants it and you have to pay for it like as is in cash 
that should be a warning that you don't fucking buy that farmhouse. Okay, but right? like, is there a claw foot tub? Probably, like with real claws, though. I mean, though. And then also, like, the couple's wandering through the house, and they're like, oh my god, look at this camcorder with a tape in it. And it's like, how during your walkthrough did you not notice AV equipment from 1992? How did that escape you? I don't have an answer. No. I just, yeah, I I just think if someone came to me and was like, you can have this property for cash, but you're not allowed to ask any questions, I'd be like, you know, I'm not comfortable with this transaction. (laughs) You would, uh, you... (laughs) You admire their entrepreneurial spirit, but only so far. Our house growing up, I don't think it was haunted or anything, but it was kind of weird. Like, they remodeled it in ways that didn't necessarily make sense. And we found this giant concrete slab under all this decorative rock after we moved out. And I was convinced that, like, there had been a murder and there was a body under that slab. Because there was no reason for that slab to be there. Like, dig it up. Dig (laughs) it up. Don't and my, do that. My parents won't let me. Like, don't you want to know? They're like, no. Like, come on. Like, I'm that person. I can't remember where we were going. I think we were on, like, Alligator Alley in Florida when I went down there recently. And Alligator Alley is a strip of road in Florida that is surrounded by Everglades on both sides. And it's really fucking dark at night. Um, we were there during the day, but, um, I just remember being really creepy and my parents threatening my brother and I, that they were going to leave us on the side of the road if we don't stop fighting in the car. Um, so it was like a fear, a childhood fear of mine, that strip of road. But I'm one of those people where if I see a garbage bag or a box hanging out on the side of the road, I like, what if there's a dead body in there? What That's if there totally are someone's in there? head. There okay. was Elise and I just listened to, maybe, you, I I think maybe it was like Sword and Scale. I don't know if you listened to it recently, Elise, but there was just an episode of a podcast I listened to where a woman, trigger warning probably for this <laughs> next part, uh, this woman had chopped up her adult son and put his body parts in garbage bags and just left them on the side of the highway. And so that's what I always think. If there's like a deserted or thrown away bag or box just hanging out on the side of the road. And every time I pass one, I mention it out loud to whoever is driving the car. And it's unsettling, I guess. For the, <laughs> for the driver. Yes. Not for you, but, you but know, for them. I think that too, though. And I, you know, that's part of the reason, like, I don't jog because it's always some fucking early morning jogger that stumbles across the body every single right. goddamn day. I would line. love to stumble it's across true. a body. Seriously, like, Elise and Amanda. Elise and Amanda, how is there not a crime solving show starring the two of you? Like, Elise would be like, <laughs> I wasn't fucking jogging. We have the same thoughts, but one wants to find the body and the other one really doesn't. Exactly. Like, There's your tension. Like, you can sustain that for hours. There would just be video of Amanda and I standing in a ditch and, like, there's something blurred out. One of us is poking it with a <laughs> It would be so inappropriate. I just feel strongly that it's bad enough to, like, murder and dismember somebody, but stooping to littering is, like, <laughs> uncool. It's that is not okay. It just crossed the line, right? It's like, take a stand. Yeah, yeah. 
You have like the best dead body story ever in Sacramento recently. Didn't you have like some random woman walking around with a human head on a stick? Oh my God. No, that was, Oh geez. What was the story with that? No, that was basically the story. There was yeah. (laughs) within the last calendar year. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, it was this woman was walking around with like a head on a stick. And I, I never, I actually learned more about murders in Sacramento from you guys than I do from myself because I don't read the local paper very much. Sometimes I find it's best just not to know. Um, I mean, there's like, like I do walk a lot around like downtown Sacramento and stuff. So everybody knows where Dolores Huerta's house is, you know, and it's just like this house. She was a, a serial killer in Sacramento and, you know, like it's just a house and no one makes a big deal of it anymore. And, Every now and then, someone walks around with a hat on a stick. I don't right. remember how that all panned out. But I think being from Wisconsin, if it's not a cannibal, we're just not impressed. Like, you didn't bring your eight game. Well, a lot of serial killers have come from Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, because it's cold as shit here and really dark in the winter, and people get kind of crazy. You know... It's cold as shit in Minnesota, and it gets really dark, and people go kind of crazy, and yet they don't kill people. Yeah, you've got tater tots. You've got tater tots, and, you know. They just don't. Not like with a head They just don't get caught because we're better at it. Yeah, it could be. Florida has the same thing, but, like, with the heat. Like, when it gets hotter, people go bananas. Yeah. Plus, you've just got the Florida rule where if it's super weird, it happened in Florida. Oh, Yeah. Like, man arrested for having sex with picnic table, Florida. Florida man arrested for having sex with a picnic table. Picnic table, right. I used to, back in the days when LiveJournal was, like, you know, a thing, there was a journal that I followed that would occasionally play Florida man or Ohio man. (gasps) Oh, that's just mean. (laughs) It's mean, but he he had a really good balance between the two. If you if you do want to hear the uh, it, it wasn't like a whole head it was the skull which makes all the difference I think so she um, showed them where a body was and unfortunately we will probably never know who it was um, because it was somebody in a, a homeless camp hmm. um, so that is the exciting story of the woman with the skull on the stick in Sacramento yeah if I remember right like the like, she was nonverbal or something, so she wanted to show people that there was this dead body. But then also you don't want to, like, touch it. So, ergo. But at least she didn't litter. Right. <laughs> she didn't litter. And and it was, like, near Halloween last year. So, story checks out. You know. Yeah. You work with yeah. what you've got. Uh-huh. If you're nonverbal, you parade until you get attention. And then you're like, all right, guys, come on over here. Dead body. Found it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This makes perfect so- sense to me. Sure. Oh, that doesn't say great things about me anyway, so. Not really, no. No, not really. You know, I was thinking today about this podcast. I I actually put thought into it, believe it or not. Um, And I think one of the things that appeals to me about spooky shit, and specifically like the horror genre, is that there's always this element of kind of um, getting justice or making things right. Like we talked about how female ghosts in fiction are really, really powerful. And I was thinking about the fact, like I said, we're watching American Horror Story season six. And like basically the crux of the whole thing is that back in the day, some dudes didn't fucking listen to Kathy Bates and Lady Gaga and 
now they have to kill a lot of people. And I'm down with that plot line. I, like, I, I see nothing wrong here. Yeah. I mean, why would you not listen to Kathy Bates? What's wrong with and you? And Lady Gaga. And Lady Gaga. What's wrong with you? Right. When Kathy Bates and Lady Gaga tell you to do some shit, you do it. And when you don't, they come back as, like, you know, demonic figures that will kill you. But you yeah. had it coming. Should have fucking listened. Right. Isn't that the, the foundation of a lot of the female ghost stories, though? You should have fucking listened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I told you bad shit was going to happen. Yeah. You know the one, right, about on my gravestone is going to say, I told you I was sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You should listen. Right. The, the woman with, like, the ribbon around her neck. No, like, I hate that one. I told you you'd be sorry. Creepy. That, that was creepy as fuck, Carrie. You need I, to never do that again. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was scarred. I was scarred by that story. So was I. Just so <laughs> <that>. <Yes>, now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was a delightful evil laugh, by the way. Well done. Uh-huh. Thank you. So, so I have I have one more story, which is ridiculous as fuck. Yes, please. Bullshit. Yes, please. It's from Edinburgh. So hold on, I need to sit up for this one. <laughs> what, like your diaphragm needs space to, to get this story going? <laughs> Mostly that I just kind of like completely fell over. <laughs> Jet lag. <laughs> she has to get the flashlight and turn it on <laughs> under and hold it like under her chin. Right. So imagine I'm doing that. Yeah. Lock yeah, the doors. I'm totally doing that. Only the story is, as I say, bullshit. So one of the last things that we saw in Edinburgh was the real Mary King's close. Whoa. And uh, close mm. is those, like the Royal mile is a mile long and it goes from Edinburgh castle to Holyrood house palace. And it's, you know, part of the, the old medieval part of Edinburgh and there are, and the mile goes along the top ridge of this glacial mountain that comes down from this extinct volcano. And the closest are the narrow alleys and lanes that go off of the Royal Mile. And they go down and down and down and down until you die. Yeah. And on one side, it goes down into what used to be the Norlock, which is the North Lake, which was a literal lake of shit, which is nice. not relevant the story, but that's where all of the you know waste went. Because right. she pulls downhill. Anyway, Mary King's Close was one of these narrow little alleys that got sort of accidentally on purpose preserved when the city council chambers were built above them um, during the 1700s. And most of the other closes have been you know renovated and changed over the years and these were covered over and in such a way that you can still see a lot of the original walls and cobblestones where there used to be a cow pen where cows used to there's a lot of shit involved in Edinburgh history I'm just gonna let you know that right now 
So if you ever go, just get ready to learn a lot about poop. Anyway, and the tour guide we had was like super into the historical stuff and like really excited about explaining things. And also there's some sort of ridiculous touristy like talking to animatronic paintings. Oh this is, no. This is dumb. No, <laughs> this no. Is dumb. I need you to understand that this is dumb, but this is, you know, part of my job and I like getting paid, so I will do it. But I need you to understand that I think this is dumb. And he was, you know, leading us through the various rooms and then he's like, "Okay, so this next room we're going to go into is one of my very favorites." Because well, we'll walk in and you'll see. And everybody everybody walked in and I walked in and I was like, Oh my God, because what it is, is it's one of the best preserved 1600s rooms, like in existence. The original plaster is still on the walls. You can see, I know. Right. And I walked in and I was like, Holy fuck. And he's like, I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, so there's, you know, this, we can see exactly how people lived because there are these fireplaces and when, and like how the room was laid out and everything. However, in sort of one corner of the room is a pile of dolls. No, no. Yes. No. Reason no. for this is because some point I want to say in the eighties or the early nineties, a Japanese medium was like going through and swore that she felt the spirit of a small child by the name of Annie in that room. So she brought a doll for the ghost of the small child. And of course the media picked this up and humans going to human. So now people are constantly like dropping off dolls and minion toys we saw, and I'm not kidding, you guys, a One Direction Blu-ray. No. <laughs> that and is... poor Mark, our two was like, I need to tell you about this because otherwise you're going to be like, what's with the pile of random creepy dolls? Right. Here's what's with it. Justifiable question. Right. Yeah. Justifiable question. But like... Like, this room is amazing all its own, and then they fuck it up with this. He's so mad about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he's like, no, seriously. People just leave this shit all day long. We have piles of it in storage. Wow. And in, like, corner of nightmares in this amazing room with plaster that was made with you know, 500 year old horse hair. <clears throat> and she's made from flake. Um, so, like, humans gonna human. Fuck you. Sometimes humans are great, a lot of times they're terrible. Right. In uh, the most Wisconsin story ever this summer, my husband got a call from his parents saying, hey, can you drive out to this country bar in the middle of fucking nowhere that's closing to pick up the taxidermy coyote we loaned the owner? So we did that. And like down this country road where there's absolutely nothing, there is a hand-painted sign that says, 
rummage sale with dolls and then an arrow <laughs> pointing down like this windy dark road. And I'm like, who the fuck falls for that? And Amanda is about to ask you, okay, so where exactly was that sign? No, I don't do dolls. That's above me a little bit. Like, there's definitely not a serial killer at the end of that road. Definitely not. Definitely not, no. No. I would have stolen the sign, to be honest. I We didn't slow down enough for me to take a photo. <laughs> I, I don't think you... I've seen these movies, and I don't think you want to incur the wrath of, of stealing the sign. all taxidermists, okay? Just just keep them happy. I told but you... From them. I told you about the dolls get, in this house when we toured it, right? No. In my son's room. The house had been sort of semi-staged, but the family was had moved out. And this house is just over 20 years old. I've never lived in a house that's younger than me. And it's kind of refreshing. Like I really enjoy some parts of it, but um, not having ghosts that I'm aware of is, is a definite benefit. We tour the house and in the front room are a little baby crib and a little, like a little doll's dresser. And then a chair with perfectly positioned creepy dolls that the minute you walk in the room, they're all staring at you. Like, why are you oh, no. here? And this is now my older son's room. So we, we were like, okay, this is going to be your room. And he's like, I don't want to be in here right now. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah. those, those will not be here. He's like, they don't come with the house, do they? I'm like, no, 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 no. They will be, no. they will be gone. They will be gone. And the first thing he asked when we were like getting ready to go in the house, are the dolls gone? Like, yes. Child knows what's up. You cannot have dolls. Yeah. Like, who stages a house with dolls that stare at you when you walk in a room? I don't know. I am surprised. Somebody, yeah, exactly. That. Somebody who doesn't sell a lot of houses. Ugh. But as we've established, because I do not believe in any of this stuff, and I am apparently, like, spiritually obtuse, I would be the most frustrating person ever to haunt. <laughs> I probably... That would be a hilarious comedy. Actually. I would I watch that. I would buy that house. I would watch that show, Ghosts Try to Haunt Elise, and Elise is like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> no, that Elise, it's definitely cool. a ghost. Oh, please, no, it's fine. Just the wind. Like, I had, I mean, I had that thought, like, why would you leave a non-corporeal spirit dolls that she can't play with? Like, now that's just pissing her off. <laughs> right? Like, that's a dick yeah. move. Mm. And then throw a One Direction Blu-ray on there. I mean, that's <laughs> right. a giant fuck you. A One Direction Blu-ray Without a Blu-ray player, Blu -ray if player. there really was a ghost down there, she'd be real pissed. Exactly. I so does anyone have any additional book recommendations? Or ghost stories? Well, so I live in Gold Rush country, so we're like all ghosts all the time. There's like, no ghosts there. Oh my god. So like every, but, but this is weird. For Well, okay, the first thing that's weird is the fact that I read a really big book about the Donner Party. Why? 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 Isn't I that thought, like down the road got, from your house? Yeah, well, it's like two, three hour drive. Uh. Okay? Um, and, and you, you know, at RT, you guys will probably see it if you do a tour. It's really, really beautiful there. Um, the Donner Lake is like, oh my God, it's gorgeous. But, you know, it's gorgeous when you're not stuck there and when it's not the middle of winter. So what is weird is that I, like, learned, I got really, really into this, so I feel really ghoulish, and I've collected all these macabre details, but weirdly, there's, like, very little ghost stuff associated. But we do have a very famous doll who's very, a nice vibey doll, not a creepy doll, and that's Patty Reed's doll. So 
when the Donners left their wagons in the desert before they they were already in trouble before they got to the mountains, and when that party left their their um, their wagons, the Reed children weren't allowed to take anything with them. And Patty, who was eight, couldn't stand to leave her doll behind. She had this really small little doll. It's about maybe um, four inches tall, tops, a little China doll with a little fabric dress. Mm-hmm. So she she hid it in the in her apron, and she kept it with her. And she um, survived the winter. And when they finally got rescued, she revealed to her parents that she still had the doll and they were really happy that she had the doll. And because she got assistance from Sutter's Fort, she said when she died, she wanted the doll to go to Sutter's Fort. So it's like the Sacramento ritual where you go to Sutter's Fort and you see the doll. So that's kind of cool to see. Um, and it does look, it, it, it would, in another context, it would definitely fit the creepy doll mode, but it was a good doll. It did well. Mm. Yes, it did a good job. Um, have what? you guys uh, have you guys seen the preview now? There's going to be a movie coming out called Winchester about yes. Sarah Winchester starring Helen Mirren. Oh, yes, God. But, you know, I have. She's too tall. She's too tall, and it's not trivial. I mean, on the one hand, I'm like it's Helen Mirren, right? Like I'm fine with that. But also, but like the fact that Sarah was really short, like that impacted her life and the way she built the house. Well, okay, are so- there? No- Four foot nine actresses? I maybe there aren't. Wasn't the rumor like they spent thirty some years adding on to this house and it didn't make any sense and there were like lots of passages right. that went to the middle of fucking nowhere. And the rumor was that the house was haunted by anyone who'd been killed by a Winchester rifle. Well um, here's here's how it crazy. goes. There are variations on this, but the, the core legend is that she lost had multiple losses and was devastated. She lived in New England. And she consulted a medium who told her that she was being haunted by the spirits of the rifle. And in one version, the medium tells her that she can only appease the spirits by building them a giant house to live in. And in other versions, the story is that she needs to build a giant house to trap them and confuse Mm -hmm. them. And that's why it's so um, uh, convoluted. And, and weird is so that they'll get confused and lost and leave her alone. But in both versions, she has to continually build on the house until she dies. Now, a biographer of who wrote Captive of the Labyrinth uh, somewhat anticlimactically indicated that the house was not continually built on. So now I'm all depressed. But that's like California children are raised on, you know, certain motifs. Don't take shortcuts or you'll eat your relatives. That's the Donner right. Party story. It's important. And Sarah Winchester was this loony. But it's also it's weird because the idea is that she was both crazy and right because everybody really thinks, dude, that house is totally haunted. Because it is a weird, it's creepy, bizarre edifice. I mean, there's a house on the corner of my street where... Um, you ever notice that on some houses there's a door on the second level that like opens out into a drop that'll really break your ankles? And sometimes it's a right, sometimes it's left over from a house that was adjoining, sometimes it was part of a barn. Sometimes there's 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 a reason why the door is there. 
it's right near where my older son's bus stop is. And we walk up to the bus stop and, you know, he's going to be 12. So sometimes I get really valuable information about what's going on in his head as we stand there in the morning waiting for the bus in the cold. And looking at that door gives me the jibblies just because it doesn't fit. It's not right. There's a door <laughs> in the middle of the ceiling. And then there's like a birdhouse above it. Like open the door, fall to your death, and then get shit on by a bird. Like who? <laughs> what, what, why is that a thing? That's I've never heard of that anywhere but the Winchester house, which has a higher up. Like, you wouldn't break an ankle, you would die. You open this door and there's like, that's it. It's like three or four stories up. But yeah, no. Oh, three or four stories, and you're just going to break things. It's five stories right, or more. Break that you're things, die. whatever. Unless you dive, then you're fucked. That would be another Winchester house lesson. Don't dive headfirst out of a door that's not on the ground floor. Yeah. Yeah. I think the. the, the big thing with the Winchester house is take small steps. And I wrote extensively for Smart Bitches about what a great vibe I got from that house, and I don't think there's anything bad about it. However, I would not sleep overnight there for like a billion dollars. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to push my luck. On I don't know. I think that if you stayed the night, if there was a ghost of Sarah Winchester, she would be like, oh my goodness, tell me the world is better to short women now than it was then. And you would be like, girl, no, it is not. And then you would sit no, up all night. We'd, we'd like trade arthritis. Exactly. Yeah. You would sit she in the and... oil. Try it. Really. I, I'm willing to bet her arthritis remedy was laudanum. Probably. Just, yeah. Like a she lot had of, a, a lot of opioids. rheumatoid arthritis. So her, her hands like stiffened in the claws. So she looked like a cartoon witch, <clears throat> even though nice. she was actually a pretty benevolent human but you know she looked like the kind of person that like kids would like freak out and run away from like i dare you to go up to that house for for trick-or-treat uh you can you could do a friday the 13th tour you could do candlelight tours and i do believe they have a halloween tour whoa a nighttime candlelit halloween tour which actually I, I've heard, and then they have like specifically like more ghost oriented tours, which I've heard are kind of cheesy, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're fabulous. I don't know. Did I ever tell you guys about the, the, um, the house around the corner from where I grew up that was owned by Henry Clay Frick and his wife? I don't no. think so. So I grew up around the corner from Clayton, which was the Frick estate. And the Fricks had like shitloads of money for being um, robber barons and steel industry and shit like that. So they moved to New York. They really wanted to break into New York society. And the story that I heard on the tour of Clayton was that the people in New York were really not interested in these upstart yahoos from Pittsburgh and ostracized his wife. Now, he was fine because he had money and he had a penis. But she was never admitted into society. So she moved back home to Pittsburgh and built her horse stables to look exactly like the house of the woman who had snubbed her. Ha! <laughs> so the house, like her house was a place where horses shit like all day. But when I was really, really young, um, I have to look this up now. But when I was really young, Helen Clay Frick was still alive. That was their, their daughter. And she died when I was nine. But I remember... Like people used to be dared to go ring the door on this uh, ring, door, ring the doorbell on Halloween and and you know go trick or treating because it was this massive, gorgeous, completely scary looking Victorian house. Well, it's now been turned into a museum, and I've toured it a whole bunch of times because it's you know right down the street where it was when I lived in Pittsburgh. But the thing about the the Fricks and that era was that. 
when their daughter died, they memorialized everything about her. This was Helen's sister. Her picture was on their checks. So like if they wrote a, like a check to pay the bill, the picture on the check was their dead daughter. And her hair was everywhere. It was braided and it was coiled and it was in every room. There were pictures of her. There were articles of her clothing. Like the whole house, the way that they lived in it, had the little bits of memorial, you know, art from the Victorian era and later about their daughter. And I was more creeped out by that than I would ever have been going up to the doorbell to try to ring for trick-or-treat, which I was never allowed to do because I was too little. Mm. Like the whole... Decorate with your dead child's hair. <laughs> like yeah, that was common. Very though, common. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. very common. But when then when you see it everywhere, you're like, wow. It's a lot of hair. Hey, I have to make a correction because I have a terrible feeling that I said that we had a serial killer in Sacramento called Dolores Huerta. And she was actually this enormous hero of the <laughs> uh, farm worker movement. I am so sorry, Dolores. I suck. Uh, the serial wow. killer was Dorothea Puente. Yes. So I was the one that, like, apologize. she killed people for social security checks, right? Yeah, like, she, she would. Old people and buried them yeah. in the backyard. And I was, I, I found it out because I was Googling because I was like, can you trick or treat at her house? Like, but I'm not finding anything that says that you can trick or treat at her house, sadly, because. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing. Sarah, would you like me to speed round some creepy book recommendations? Oh, hell yeah. All right. All right. Garlic knitter. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So first of all, I, I highly recommend Jennifer McMahon. And she has a really, really creepy book called Winter People, which is about Ugh. basically like zombies. Just the name, um, dude. No. Right. It takes place. It takes place in the present day, but then also in the early 1900s in Vermont, in a small town that kind of gets isolated in the winter. Nope. Um, holding with the winter theme, I think this was a release this year. Loreth and White. It's L O R E F. R L O R E F. That's a new letter. The F. L O R T E T H. <laughs> it's called in in the barren ground and uh again that's like a murder mystery with supernatural elements that takes place in like the polar um polar area hence the barren ground um thing sorry i'm rambling i'm really tired and i apologize if you're not you like, even jet lagged no i'm just on a shitload of deloxetine and muscle relaxers woo uh, woo uh if you like gothic mysteries or gothic romance and these are romances jennifer st giles he has some out one of hers is midnight secret um there is eve silver series which has dark in the title so his dark kiss dark prince um there is of course victoria holt who wrote i think in the 70s so her books are kind of old there's cat sheridan who wrote echoes in stone which is another gothic mystery or gothic romance. And then there's a gothic romance by Lillian Merrick coming out in November called Lord Edward's Mysterious Treasure. I assume that title <laughs> refers to his penis, but I have not yet. You just run the mystery, at least. <laughs> his, mysterious, his mysterious treasure is that his penis hooks sharply to the right. Um, <laughs> there's also Amanda Deweese 
who writes a gothic uh, romance that we're reading this month for a book club. And I'm scrolling through to see what other creepy shit I have downloaded on here. <laughs> All kinds of creepy shit. I love creepy shit. That's that's what I got off the top of my head. That's a lot of creepy, dude. Yeah. That is a lot of creepy. If you want to go with the classics, a ghost story that no one ever remembers as a ghost story is Jane Eyre. It has two ghosts in it. Um, yeah, Jane likes ghosts. Yeah, so there's... Um, at one point, Jane gets guidance from the voice of her dead mother. And then the whole story is put in motion because Jane is a child and she's locked in the room where her uncle died, and which is called the Red Room, by the way. Um, and she believes that she sees his ghost and she it's kind of left ambiguous whether she does or not. And she is so terrified that she falls into a fit and that's how she gets away from her evil aunt who then sends her to school where like all this other stuff happens. And of course, like a romance that's not a romance. That's really just a horror story about horrible people is um, Wuthering Heights. I was just going to say, Oh, other okay. horrible people. It has to be Wuthering Heights. Horrible so- people. But Kathy and Heathcliff, much haunting. True. Moors. So, mm. Yeah. I just. Well, read... what else are you going to do on the Moors? You wander around and you haunt people. Right. I just, like, yeah. I, I want to visit the Moors for five seconds and, like, walk out there and yell, Kathy! And then walk back and be like, checked off, bucket list, done with the Moors. Yeah. And, I... then, and then you go from the Yorkshire Moors to York and wander around the shambles. Yeah. That would be Harry cool. Potter store. Absolutely. And and have a cream tea. Oh my god. Oh, okay. Sorry, Elise. I like I no, like it's okay. Burgundy. I I just finished a book by Sophia Tobin that is a true gothic mystery and I swear to god she sat down and was like, "I want to make a cast of characters that are even shittier than the cast of Wuthering Heights." <laughs> I was so mad Aww. at that book. There was not a single fucking person in that book that I liked by the end of it. That's how I felt about Awaken My Love. But at the same time, it was so well done on the mystery front that like, I couldn't give it a horrible grade. Because it was like, well, it turned out everyone was awful, but also I didn't see this coming. Wow. Alright. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I can't read scary shit, so I have nothing to add, unfortunately. No, you you were facilitating the conversation. There's yeah. nothing unfortunate in that. This is true. Yeah, you told us about the house with all the dead person hair in it. That's, that's with, right. Dead child hair. And the hair. door. The door. Like, that's... <laughs> what the hell? Right. So, do you guys know about Witch Windows, which shows up in Vermont architecture? No. They're, like, windows that are at an angle under the eaves. And... The story is that witches can only fly in straight lines, so those windows are there to confuse them because it's at an angle and they can't fly at an angle so they can't get into your house. Why? And then, like, people recount the story and then, like, literally everyone goes, why wouldn't they use, like, literally any of the other windows or the door? Right? So... Yeah, so... Like, who says we just don't know geometry? What sexist bullshit is this? (laughs) (laughs) Right? I I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I got nothing for you. No one actually seems to think that that's the real reason that these random crooked windows are put in. It's 
more likely to maximize the amount of light that you'll get into your attic or right. in your, you know. Mm. So that actually makes sense because Vermont is north and it gets dark and the light is kind of slanty. So. Right. That makes that does make sense. But yeah, but it's much more interesting to be like, yeah, witches don't have geometry. Right. And can only enter via one random window. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like you put in this one random window, then that's the only way they can enter your house, except that they can't. So I don't. I. Are any of you gonna binge Stranger Things when it comes out? Yes. Yes. Are you a oh, fan, Amanda? Oh, I'm a huge fan. I after this phone call, I was gonna call Eric to see because it comes out Friday. I was gonna see his thoughts on me making a big batch of my my family recipe chili. I make like a huge crock pot of it. I was like, can we just eat chili on Friday and binge the next season of Stranger Things? I mean, he'll probably say yes, and if he doesn't, he'll say yes eventually. <laughs> right, I'll I'll be there. Forget him. So we'll just right. just you message have to have back and forth too, in honor of ET. <laughs> and he just did a marathon, so I doubt he's going to want to do anything. So I don't think uh, I don't think this is a show for Sarah, but I am very curious about it. It's really I, good. I couldn't handle all the middle schoolers in Jeopardy, so I had to watch it like. The first season, like, a little bit at a time. So it took me forever. Like, I just finished it, like, last week. Because I would watch, like, because I really love it. It's so well done. But I would get so tense. I wasn't, like, scared, scared. I was stressed out. No one I, saw it here, right? Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. It was so good. Man, I, I wanted to. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it, Amanda. You want I to, I hope Elise? that you enjoyed it yes. on my behalf. You should. You should watch it and let me know. It's actually really funny, and it's not that I have no one to go with, because I I know you would, but you live in Boston, which is very, very far away. Because as much as I love my husband, I did have to continually check in with him during our American Horror Story binge to make sure he was okay. Um, And none of my friends do scary movies either. I'm getting into it. I wasn't a huge scary movie fan, but after watching like the Duke, which was really good. Um, that was really good. And then it, I've been, I've read the book and I watched the miniseries and it's one of those movies where, you know, every time a child is on screen, Pennywise is going to show up. So it's not really super, nope, 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 super nope. shocking. You know um, what, what movie scared the shit out of me? This is like the only movie to ever really, freak me out signs and i oh my god i have a thing about aliens let's not get into it i feel like (laughs) it was because mel gibson was in the movie like i had (laughs) i had like a spidey sense that he was a secret awful person i don't know if his anti uh rage had come out at that point but no that movie scared the the bejesus out of me that was one of the few movies where i left and i was like "Mm, that was I watched a lot of Unsolved Mysteries as a child growing up during the summer. And they have a lot of alien abduction stories. And, like, there's something about aliens and, like, alien abductions that scare the shit out of me. Like, I, when I was a child, I would never leave my blinds open at night. Because I was just afraid I would, like, wake up in the middle of night and see this creepy alien peeking in at me. Um, So signs creeped me out. I, I... when there's that shot of the alien walking into the alleyway, I screamed bloody murder 
when that and I rarely have that reaction in scary movies. So I think it's because I think it's because like with ghosts and horror movies and stuff like that, there are rules, right? Like we understand the rules of haunting and ghosts and witches. Like they can't go into certain sized mm-hmm. windows or whatever. There's <laughs> certain angled windows. Right. 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 Aliens, like like we I don't know what rules we're playing by here. They have no limits. Exactly. Well, and you know, like TV tropes talks about being genre savvy and then being wrong genre savvy. Those are two competing yep. tropes, right? So with aliens, you never really know. Are you in the Spielberg alien world or are you in the independent state alien world? Which one? You don't know. I do remember Until being... Until they suck off your face and then you're like, right, crap. then you know. I do remember <laughs> being scared by the X-Files episode with the guy who could climb through the toilet. No. Is that yeah. the guy who eats your liver? Yes. So good. Oh, my God. No. Okay. The fact that you said so good makes me think that you're now snacking on a liver. A liver. <laughs> what? The circus one is what scared no. me, where the guy had the twin that would detach from his body at night. That one and was just, actually like, creep funny. around. Oh. That's well, I was a kid when I saw that. And my yeah. parents would watch oh, the no. X-Files. And I would oh. creep out of my room and, like, peek around the hallway so I could see, like, the TV of what they were watching. And I remember it was that episode one time. And after that, I was like, no, I'm done. This is okay. I'll just stay in bed. So, so not to get, like, super gross or anything, but I so saw I- the Scary Toilet Man episode. I was probably in middle school. I was home super, super sick. My mom knew I liked X-Files, so she went to Blockbuster, which was a thing back then. And they would have, like, two or three episodes on a VHS, which was also a thing back then. So, Sicky Lee's with, like, 103 fever and chronically in the bathroom watches the episode about the guy who climbs to the toilet oh, no. and kills you. It's no. not a great thing. <laughs> no. Oh. Very bad. Did I ever tell you that I watched the? I finally binge-watched the X-Files by finding a website that listed all of the romantic moments and then where they were in each episode, so I could oh, skip all the. Cre- that I could get all the creepy shit out of the way. I would like that one with the. There was a whole family and like mom lived under the bed or something. I fast forward. Oh no 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 no! We don't watch that one. No. Right. Fast forwarded through all of it, but if there was a moment, I knew exactly when it was, and I would watch the romantic movement, and then I would just. Fast forward through the creepy shit. So I watched the romance of, of X-Files. Not very satisfying, but still okay. That was the only way I could watch that. There's no other way. The romance of the X-Files is less satisfying than David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson's real-life tweet flirting. Oh, their it's friendship adorable. is just lovely. Like, I really like to think that when you work that long and that hard on a show that is clearly that grueling, <laughs> that you either come out of it hating each other or you come out of it and you're like, yeah, we went through this cool thing and we're always going to be friends. And their Twitter together is just adorable. It almost sounds like they've got kind of a sibling thing going in the sense that by the end of the show, they they just hated each other, and now they're, like, friends again. Like, they've had some space, and they're yeah. like, no, no, it's, we're, we're, like, like, whether they're in a space where they can't stand each other, or they're in a space where they're really good friends, they've, like, gone through this, you know, 10-year television <laughs> ordeal. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, like, bonded. Why were you laughing, Amanda? Did you think I sounded ridiculous? No, because you said the phrase... Long and hard in the sentence. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even notice. They worked real long and real hard on that show. That is amazing. I have to I have to say I 
don't think it's a sibling thing because a fan asked her what animal she would be if she could be an animal. And she said she would be a fo- uh, sheep so that Mulder the fox could eat her. And then she had like a million winking faces. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, that's hilarious. This was an extra long episode. <laughs> and I want to thank Amanda and Carrie and Elise and Redheaded Girl for hanging out with me and talking about all the creepy things. As I said in the intro, if you would like to find links to any of the books or movies, especially that Steve Gutenberg movie, or the creepy things online, seriously, some of these things are so creepy. I will have links to all of them in the podcast show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. This podcast was brought to you by the newly released audio version of Hopeful by Louise Bay. If you like Christine Lauren, Emma Chase, and Kristen Proby, you will love this contemporary second chance romance. Ava Elliott's been in love with Joel Wentworth since their secret, passionate love affair at university, which ended when he left for New York after graduation. Despite Joel's wanting her to go with him, Ava stayed in London to pursue her career. But Ava never got over her first love, and she's been single ever since. Eight years later, Joel is back in London. Is he ready to forgive Ava, or has he moved on from a love that he promised would last forever? Described as a true love story and having a combination of humor and heartbreak, Hopeful by Louise Bay is on sale now at all major retailers. And the audio edition is on Audible, Amazon, and iTunes. You can find out more at louisebay.com. Each episode gets a transcript. Each transcript is compiled by Garlic Knitter. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. And this episode's transcript is brought to you by Twice as Wicked by Elizabeth Bright. Alice Bursnell is determined to wreak revenge on Nathaniel Eastwood Viscount Abigdon for the seduction, ruin, and death of her beloved twin sister. But how to expose a seducer without falling prey herself? As she gets closer to Nathaniel, she finds she is in serious danger of following in her sister's much too tempted footsteps. The man is nothing like the heartless rake she expected, and his kisses are truly divine. Could she be wrong about him? When a mysterious and gorgeous woman confronts Nathaniel at a fancy ball, he suspects that she has murder on his mind, specifically his own. The more he tries to determine who the deceptively innocent beauty is and what she's up to, the deeper he falls under her alluring spell. Nathaniel fears he's in imminent danger of losing his life, or worse, his heart. Elizabeth Bright's debut is a witty and heartwarming romance that readers won't soon forget. You can find out more at Entangled Publishing, and I will have links to both of these books in the podcast show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. The music you're listening to was provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find this particular track on Pete Bog Fairy's album, Dust. This is called Spiegel and Nongo. It's a little creepy, right? I was going for atmospheric. I can't have Wilbur sing through the whole episode and the intro and the outro. His union contract does not permit such things. I will have links to Dust and all of the other fine Pete Bog Fairy's music on the show notes, but you can find them on Amazon and on iTunes or, you know, wherever you buy your funky tunes. Now, if you have a ghost story or a creepy book or both to tell us about, please do. You can find us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. You can record a voice memo and email it to me if you'd like to send me the audio. Don't be scared. Or you can leave a voicemail at 1-201-371-3272. I would love to hear from you. I would also like to tell you about our podcast Patreon, patreon.com slash smartbitches. Your support makes a deeply, deeply appreciated difference. And I really, really do thank you for having a look and sponsoring the show. 
And if you're not able to do that, just listening each week is so great. Like I'm honored that you hang out with me. So thank you for that. And as I've been doing, I get a bad joke for you. You ready? This is terrible. I'm so excited. Why can't ghosts procreate? You ready? Why can't ghosts procreate? Because they have hollow wieners. <laughs> Thank you to Batman Jerkins on Reddit's dad joke forum for that one. Hollow wieners. <laughs> I'm going to tell that joke all week and try to remember who I'm telling it to. Uh, okay. All right. I'm way too enjoying that. Way too much enjoyment. On behalf of Carrie and Elise and Amanda and Redheaded Girl and myself and Orville and, of course, Wilbur, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.